Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. My day guest today is Ilya Kratsov from Pouch Nation in Southeast Asia. This is, I think, my first episode focused entirely on Southeast Asia. It's what we call in the industry a banger. Um, I want to remind you, I am doing a special pricing course, cohort class, and I'm trying to fill up the beta. So in the show notes, there is a link to fill out four questions so that you can be notified if you're interested in taking the pricing course or learning about more when the beta becomes available. So check that out. It'll help me out a lot. I'm trying to pull this thing together because I'm trying to figure out ways to help folks more. So check that out. Uh, I will be at Intix in Orlando in January with my friends from Booking Protect. Uh, We have a great panel planned with me and Haley from Booking Protect, Anar from Activity Stream, and Derek from Project Admission. Uh, I'll be hanging out with Kat, Kath, and Haley at the Booking Protect booth. Uh, let me know if you're going to be there. It's daviddavewakeman.com. Cat uh, has pulled together some new statistics and new data that highlight how important refund protection has become to organizations around the world. As things have reopened, uh, people are trying to get back to some sort of normal. Uh, so check us out. Send me an email. Let me know if you'll be there. It's daviddavewakeman.com. Get the tic- the Talking Tickets newsletter. It's talkingtickets.substack.com. Or you can send me an email. It's daviddavewakeman.com. Don't miss it. Five tops or a top story, a road to recovery post, some how-to, some profiles, some links, some blurbs. Uh, it's about take, probably take you about five or ten minutes each week to get through the thing. It's really, really great. It has a really high open rate, uh, over 40% most of the time. It's probably the one of the better, the two the podcast and newsletter are probably the two best things I do. So check it out, talkingtickets.substack.com or send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com, and I will get you signed up if you are not already. My guest now, Ilya Kratzoff, was introduced to me by Martin Hay, who's been on the podcast several times. He's like, you got to talk to Ilya. This this cat knows what he's talking about. And this was great because I had an interest in tickets in the world just total, right? I am a, I would like to think I am like a natural wanderer who is constantly looking for new experiences and to meet new people and to find new ideas. So talking to Ilya was great. He brought up the idea of super apps, which is something we haven't talked about before, which you know, I'm aware of because I've been to Asia. I've been to Australia. I, I know plenty of people in Singapore. And this idea is really um, coming out of Asia. And it is important because it kind of allows um, all of the commerce to be inside of one app. Uh, we Scott Galloway, a professor at NYU Stern, wrote about it in his No Mercy, No Malice newsletter last week. Uh, Facebook is kind of trying to go down that road. It's something that's going to come up a lot. And this came up with our conversation with Ilya, which was super helpful because as soon as we got done recording it, it was everywhere, it seemed like. But we talk about that. We talk about Southeast Asia. We talk about emerging markets, which a lot of the markets in Southeast Asia are. We talk about how a... Um, fundamental evolution of a society is the need and desire for entertainment and how many of these Southeast Asian countries are coming towards that now. We talk about how there's no dominant players in Southeast Asia. We talk about, um, you know, how do you sell tickets to the unbanked? 
and what happens in that process. We talk about online tickets. We talk about wristbands. We talk about some of the innovations that Ilya and Pouch Nation took during the pandemic to make things uh, sustainable and stable throughout the pandemic because early on, Southeast Asia handled everything pretty well. But then the second Delta wave, they got hit pretty hard and it's created some challenges for the um, industry and they're recovering now. So we get into all kinds of stuff and, you know, just do the locale. This was a really interesting conversation. So without more from me, here is my conversation with Ilya Kratzoff on the Business of Fun podcast. All right. I want to welcome Ilya Kratzoff to the Business of Fun podcast. Ilya, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Dave? Oh, very good, man. Thank you for getting up early with me because you are on the other side of the world, I guess. Or you, would, as you said before, thanks for staying up late with you. Either way, man, it's good to see you, though. Yeah, same here. I have a big cup of coffee, so ready for it. <laughs> several glasses of water here, which is unusual because at this point it would usually be bourbon, but that's fine. You know, I'm a true professional, man. I'm a true professional. Um, but this, I think this is going to be fun because um, – Pod, uh, former podcast guest, the guy who's been on several times, Martin Hay from uh, Total Tickets in the Philippines and all over the place. He introduced me to you, and you're in Southeast Asia, and that's uh, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on because there's a lot of people. It's an emerging market, and I don't think people necessarily know a whole lot about it all the time, right? I think there's just like, oh man, you know, outside of China and Japan and Korea, uh, that's Asia. <laughs> but it's yeah. not true. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your company, Pouch Nation, and yeah. what your the you know, what the world looks like from where you're sitting? Yeah, yeah. No, you you you're you're definitely right. I mean the we're talking here about six hundred million people in Southeast Asia, right? So it's a it's probably twice the size of the US in terms of like population, right? Uh, and um, we are Pouch Nation is a guest management and cashless uh, company. Uh, so we provide a cashless experience for large-scale events and, and hospitality. Um, we are based out of Southeast Asia. Our headquarters is in Singapore, but uh, we do have offices across the region. So an office in Indonesia, which is the largest country in Southeast Asia, 270 million people. Uh, then we have an office in Malaysia, Thailand, um, Vietnam, and Philippines. So we are have we are covering all the markets here and have a pretty good understanding of what are the trends uh, in the, in the event space in the you know new upcoming techs or how to serve the, the patrons and been operating for about uh, you know six seven years now. So I have a pretty good grasp on all the markets and, and sizable market share in in what we do. So Indonesia is the largest country in Southeast Asia, uh, two hundred seventy million people. Um, that, and then in your system, it's, I think you would define it as an emerging market, correct? Yeah. What emerging markets, what, what does it mean? Right. So right. obviously emerging yep. market means, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, because, and actually I, I know that I'm leading you into something because you described it very, uh, when we were talking a couple weeks back in a way that was really interesting to me, where you talked about how people are, there's such so many people moving into the middle class. And because right. so many people are moving into the middle class, entertainment is you defined it, I think, as a human right almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So hygienic yeah. good, hygienic good. <laughs> yeah. So no, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you're definitely right. So what is what is interesting is like, let's say if we take an example of Indonesia, you know, every year, like uh, 10 to 20 million people are moving up the ladder, moving into the middle class. And means that all those consumers before, maybe they, they were not able to afford, uh, you know, a concert ticket. They were able to afford to, you know, buy a smartphone. They were not able to afford to buy a motorbike. But now, obviously, once, once they're reaching that middle class, uh, status, uh, they, they start having all this uh, additional disposable income that, uh, you know, and they start consuming entertainment, they start obviously buying other goods. And if we look at 10 to 20 million people just for Indonesia every year, it's like a, a country, right? a new country being born. And this is what I think is the most exciting, uh, you know, uh, aspect in, 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 in where we are. And so adaptation adaptation of technology right that's one of the interesting things so if you're in an emerging market one one way of looking at it would be like on well you're having to build all this technology and you know everybody's having to become fluent in technology and they're having to develop ways to handle all this technology and my way of looking at it maybe and i'm curious how yours is is like how freaking cool that you get to like be on the ground floor and you get to build these things from the ground up can you give me a little bit of uh, insight into what it's like to be involved in a market as it matures, right? Because I think you tell me you're going to tell me if I'm wrong here, which I'm often wrong, so it's totally cool. Uh, but you were saying this is like being in China like 15 or 20 years ago, or 10, 15, 20 years ago, as far as like the acceleration of tech. Correct. Yes, uh, you know, yes, it, it is. We're talking about yeah, being in China probably yeah, 10 to 15 years ago to, from certain aspects. So what is interesting, like key, key, key couple of highlights in terms of trends, right? I mean, one major trend in the region is that there's a, you know, a, a huge unbanked population, right? So like we're looking at Indonesia, you know, it's, it's, it's averaging, or, I don't know exact numbers, but about 40 to 50% of people don't have a bank account. And uh, there are other trends, like for example, credit card penetration. You would be surprised, but in Indonesia it's about four or 5% of the population have a credit card. So 95% don't have a credit card, right? So obviously, um, you know, payments, uh, and adoption of, uh, you know, uh, banking services is one of the key aspects that, you know, you can observe here. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, obviously, the emerging of new technologies. So uh, Indonesia and in general, Southeast Asia has been booming in terms of, uh, you know, tech uh, tech companies being uh, being born here in the, over the past five to 10 years. We just had a, yesterday one of the major IPOs, uh, one of the large tech companies like the, the Uber of Southeast Asia is called Grab. Um, so, so there is a big transformation. There's a lot of capital. There's a lot of um, you know tech companies being born, and obviously, it's very interesting to observe that transformation. Example, right? So, you know, when we started our business, you know, five to seven years ago, uh, you know, even online ticketing was something fairly new in many many cases, right? So, uh, you know, people were still buying paper tickets, were still going to the ticket box. Uh, and uh, you know, getting their paper ticket to enter an event or a football match, right? So obviously, over the five, six, seven years, that has changed dramatically. So people, you know, don't buy any more paper tickets; they buy it online. Uh, but even more, where they buy it, right? So traditionally, you would see the the ticketing companies being uh, being on the on, on the selling those tickets. But now it's even evolving further. You have the large e-commerce players that are entering that space. So you would go to you know, an Amazon, quote unquote, the local Amazon and buy, 
your event ticket, right? And not anymore to the, the dedicated ticketing company. So there's a lot of transformation happening as we speak. And I think it's pretty interesting to be part of it. Yeah, no doubt. It, so I've got a question then, because you said, so was it like four or 5% of uh, people have a credit card? And yeah. That banking is becoming, um, a lot of people don't have personal banking. Yeah. And so that, that hit me because like you, you, you know, your business is, um, contactless payment and like digital payment solutions. And then you're talking about online tickets. So how does that work? Like, how does that process work? Because if you don't have a credit card, you don't have a bank. Like how does, you've been at it for seven years. And so like, how do you make that work? Yeah, this is a, this is a very good question, right? So obviously, you know, we are in the business of, you know, uh, online ticketing, we're in the business of cashless payments, right? So making sure that, you know, at festivals, events and concerts, uh, there's no cash uh, floating around, but everything is cashless. So we use NFC technology to do that. Now, it's uh, the key question is how do people top up their NFC wristband to go and buy um, you know, uh, goods at our events, or how do people buy even um, a concert ticket online, right? And you would be surprised the level of. Uh, so we in the in the region we are integrated with more than seven different payment gateways, right? And each payment gateway. So obviously we have the more the ones from you know uh, global ones like PayPal, Stripe, etc. But we have a lot of local ones that are very very important for whoever wants to do business in this region. And what those local payment gateway allows us to do is basically uh, allows us to have different methods on how to get the cash, uh, you know, into the into the e-wallet, into the um, you know, um, into the online uh, wallet to purchase a ticket or top up their uh, their cashless wristband. And uh, the methods include like ATMs, right? So you'd be able to go to an ATM, <laughs> uh, put in cash. And, uh, you know, and transform this cash into virtual money and be able to top up uh, your account, for example, right? You have uh, other methods which are becoming very popular is the e-wallets, right? So we know that China has been very progressive in having the large e-wallets like Alipay, like WeChat. So this is a huge trend in Southeast Asia as well. So many people don't have a bank account, but have an e-wallet where they store, uh, you know, smaller amounts of money, right? And the way they get this money to the wallet is also many times very manual, right? It's through agents, it's through, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, oh, this company I mentioned, Grab, that went IPO, so they have the drivers that would collect the money from, uh, you know, ride hailing and put it in that e-wallet, right? So there's a lot of manual ways and and, and e-wallets, ATMs and other methods that um, substitute the credit card in terms of this purchase journey. Yeah, and thank you because, you know, I asked some of these questions so I can to play the role of knucklehead. Um, and But one thing I want to highlight is the wallet, right? Because like a lot of people maybe don't know what Alipay is. Um, it would be similar, and again, I'm going to ask this because this I actually don't know the answer to, but I think yeah. I do. Uh, it would be something similar because a lot of people have iPhones to Apple Cash. Is that would be yeah, the same thing? Yeah, it's like thing? Apple Pay or, or, or Google Wallet, right? It's, it's very yeah. similar. The main difference, I would say there's two differences, is that in Southeast Asia, uh, so the technology behind would be more QR code based and less NFC based. So if you have, you know, Apple Pay, it's more NFC inside your phone. Uh, all these e-wallets in Southeast Asia, in China, are more QR code based. So you scan a QR code to do a transaction. Um, and the, the second key distinctive element is that usually they are wrapped up around the concept of a super app 
So you have a lot of different services within the, the app that you can do. For example, WeChat, which is also a payment service, but it's also a chatting service. Right? It's the largest you know, a chatting platform in China. So people communicate through WeChat, people send money through WeChat, people have a lot of different apps inside the WeChat and even ticketing apps, right? So would, people would go uh, to WeChat to buy to buy. A It's become like a big, uh, you know, umbrella for other services as well. Yeah, and I really, I don't think we have anything like that comparable in the states. So that's like a, a great explanation for people. So thank you. Now, on the scale of adaptation, because what we're talking about is this huge region, right? Would you say that Indonesia is the like the you know like the I got how I'm I'm gonna probably say this. I'm going to sound like a knucklehead. It's probably what's going to happen. Um, would be like the the earliest in its adaptation of technology and that Singapore would be the most advanced or and then like where would you put everybody else kind of on that continuum? Because this emerging market thing and the fact that there really aren't like a lot of the huge, you know, there's no huge dominant ticket players in yeah. the uh, market. It, you know, it's kind of interesting to me because – you know, wherever there's like all this like rapid change in innovation and volatility, there's a lot of opportunity. For sure, for sure. Uh, no, I mean, I think if we have to rank the countries in Southeast Asia, obviously in terms of like GDP per capita, um, which I think is obviously a good indicator of the level of development of a country, Singapore would be by far number one. I would say not only in the region, but also probably in the world. Uh, so, it's, But Singapore is a very small country. It's a six million country, uh, very, mm -hmm. very developed. Um, but obviously doesn't fully represent very well the region, right? Uh, then we have other countries like Thailand, which are, you know, uh, I would say midway between Indonesia and Singapore. So they're, they're fairly more developed, um, but um, a little bit smaller in size. So uh, not a, as large market, but for entertainment, uh, very profitable. There's a lot of events in Thailand. Uh, I think another thing to highlight about Southeast Asia is obviously there's, it's warm uh, all year round. So you have a lot of concerts, a lot of festivals outdoor uh, 360 days a year, right? So that's, that's, uh, that's fantastic for an event promoter, right? Um, and then, uh, so I would say Singapore, Thailand, then you have like the larger countries that are a bit, uh, you know, um, more in the, on the development side, uh, developing side is the Indonesia, Philippines, right? So both Philippines, about 150 million people, Indonesia, 270. And then you have Vietnam, which is probably close to 100 million, right? So they, they are catching up and, um, but they are in certain aspect, they are doing even better because they are doing this, uh, what I call leapfrog innovation, right? So they don't go through mm -hmm. all the all the steps that the developed countries have gone through in order to to innovate but they innovate immediately by jumping a few of those steps right and this is happening for example on the e-wallet side of we're saying sure some people don't have a bank account but they already have an e-wallet right and maybe in singapore people have a bank account but they don't have a wallet yet because they are fine with just having a bank account and credit card right so i think the the fascinating part is that even though it's a developing country it can in certain areas be more developed than the uh, you know us or europe right so that's what uh, some of the trends we observe yeah well that's interesting too that you talk about the leapfrog because one of the things i've seen with like what are we calling it web3 now is that there was like especially in some of the more developed countries like the united states or western europe there's the ability with the web3 kind of uh, technologies to to do the leapfrog um and I guess you probably you may not have an answer for this, but 
you know, when you watch organizations do this leapfrog, because I'm sure it touches a lot of what you're working on because it touches payments, it touches tickets, it touches all these things. You know, what are some of the conditions that encourage people to make that leap as opposed to like that natural progression? Because, um, again, if you're following a normal, um, you know, growth projection, there's just steps, right? And to make that leap is is a huge, you know, it is a huge change in strategy. I think, uh, you know, for, for me in, in technology, it all comes down to how strong your pain points are, right? So let's say, uh, let's just imagine, you know, like, you, again, payments is a good example, right? Let's imagine you, you have a bank account, you have a credit card, right? So you can use your credit card for payments and uh, maybe that's not the best method, but you're fine with it because the, your pain point is, you know, not that strong. But imagine you're in, on the other hand, you want to buy a concert ticket and you need to go and, and drive to the closest ATM to do the payment because you don't have a credit card and you don't have any online account to do so, right? So your pain point becomes extremely uh, big. And this is where you will say, okay, I will you know, download a new wallet. I will subscribe for it because it's easier than opening a bank account where I need a tons of documents, right? I will just go through it and, uh, and, and solve my main pain point, right? So I think the conditions for adoptions of new tech is definitely having, um, you know, um, uh, strong pain points number one number two is also having a you know a, a population which is becoming more and more tech savvy right so in indonesia we see a lot of people are very tech savvy because they use smartphones on a daily basis for everything right mm-hmm. because as i said they lack other things so their smartphone substitutes their tv at home their smartphone substitutes the laptop right so their smartphone uh, is also you know uh, substitutes their regular visit to a doctor because you know they're part of like they, there's many islands in indonesia so it's there's less hospitals so they use the smartphone to actually video video call a doctor so what i'm saying that's another condition where you you know basically the adoption of the technology is happening faster because people are quite tech savvy and, and they use it and they really solve that so i think those are the few few things that uh, you know accelerate that that innovation that leapfrog uh, jump yeah, no, I mean, to me, it's like always interesting because, I mean, you know, I, I get a not recently, not for the last two years, I haven't gotten a chance to go anywhere. So let me let me let me talk about the before times, um, you know, it, but the way that people use tech being so different and the way that people adapt to tech and, the, and that leapfrogging thing, um, I think most people who if you have not had a chance to go to China or you know, Indonesia or Singapore, well, you, you have no idea how advanced and how far like ahead of us a lot of the tech waves people use technology is. And it's partly tech savvy, younger population, but more it's like necessity, too, because they're just getting access to these tools now. So they don't have to work through uh, what was it like the A- Apple one or like the first like, yeah. MS-DOS and yeah. stuff, you know, so it's, it's really, really um, cool. So. Let me ask you this then. So knowing that um, it's warm, right? So like dealing with the pandemic, this probably made it a little bit easier for, um, you know, all of the countries in Southeast Asia to deal with this a little bit better because um, every people haven't had to be locked away. Um, I'm expecting from like the live industry, live events industry. You know, what does the the world of concerts, festivals, sports, live events look like right now? Is it about back to normal is it past what it was before um is it still lagging behind you know what's the recovery look like 
Yeah, so um, uh, that's that's a, a very good question and relevant. So uh, I think what happened is in 2020, Southeast Asia was very good at managing the pandemic, right? So in 2020, there's a lot of countries like Singapore, Vietnam, uh, that went almost untouched by the pandemic, right? So they had very they were they were very good at managing the borders. Uh, so they had this policy of zero cases, so nobody in, nobody out, and 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 worked very well. Now. What happened earlier this year, while obviously the whole world was starting to get vaccinated and, uh, you know, things were uh, looking a lot better in Europe and in the US, you know, early on, uh, Southeast Asia got hit uh, first by the Delta variant and that was pretty, uh, pretty strong. So a lot of countries like Indonesia went through quite, uh, you know, drastic situation, even places like Thailand. Uh, suddenly, before last year, they were fine, but this year, the you know start, the cases started to increase, and and the Delta variant is also more aggressive in the way it spreads. So I think uh, Southeast Asia went through some tough months. I would say in June, July, uh, August uh, this year, uh, and then um, you know with the level, vaccination level starting to catch up, right? So majority of the countries are like Singapore is like 95% vaccinated, but even the larger countries like Indonesia is reaching like 60, 70 percent, uh, you know, uh, especially in the major cities. Uh, so what we've seen is a reopening wave uh, in Q4, right? So, you know, um, we personally just did an event last week uh, where we processed 25,000 people, uh, you know, uh, using our cashless payment solution. We did about a million in, 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 in transaction value, right? So things definitely Indonesia is opening up, uh, Thailand, um, Malaysia, uh, you know, events are starting to, to take place again. Um, some touristic destinations like Phuket, Bali, uh, you know, are doing major progress in making sure that it's safe again to travel. So uh, we're quite bullish for next year. Obviously, we never know. There's new variants coming recently in the news. There's another one from South Africa. So we don't know how this is going to affect it. But if, uh, you know, at the moment we see a very open, very positive reopening wave and people are tired of being at home, people want to go out, people want entertainment. And I said, this is a hygienic and the basic need that everybody has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so if I was to ask you, I'll put you on the spot, which I will do now, um, you know, what was like one thing that you and your business have changed due to the pandemic? Yeah. Look, our business is, as I said, our, you know, just to, to kind of for the audience to, to, to uh, highlight a little bit. I mean, we have the mission of digitize offline interactions, right? So we focus on everything, you know, from uh, live entertainment, so sports, music, festivals, large-scale events, uh, to host, even hospitality, right? Like, you know, attractions, you know, beach clubs, uh, theme parks, and so on. And we fundamentally want to make sure that all those interactions become digital. So we, we promote everything cashless, everything paperless, everything contactless and uh, use uh, NFC technology to do so. So now, uh, you know, pandemic obviously been hard on us because we, events business is something that it was 80% of our business before um, before starting the pandemic. So we're heavily events exposed. Uh, now, uh, obviously last year from, you know, Q1 was okay, Q2 revenue dropped almost to zero yeah. with all the lockdowns. Um, but since we are in, you know, in the IoT space, and uh, we, we actually reinvented ourselves. We launched the product, which is a wristband that can uh, not only you know, do payments, but also scan your body temperature from your wrist, uh, which is called Pouch Pass. So we launched that last year and we had uh, you know, a fair amount of large clients using it uh, to basically make sure that the environment is safe. Uh, so we did that. Uh, we also launched a new um, uh, hospitality platform. 
right? So more for hospitality venues, which is purely a SaaS product, right? Which means that, you know, any people anywhere in the world can download it and can use it without us being there. So we thought, look, a cross-border product, which is self-service, very scalable, is very important, right? Because if you are pandemic, you obviously you cannot travel and crossing borders becoming more and more difficult. So we managed to launch a few new products, some of them very pandemic centric, as I said, which is the temperature monitoring wristband, some of them on, in preventing and uh, the and thinking about the reopening of our clients and making sure that they can use our product even with that being there, us being there, uh, which is the hospitality uh, SaaS platform. So I think uh, we always try to kind of anticipate those trends and adapt like any any tech business i guess yeah no that's <clears throat> the temperature through the wristband that's a very cool uh, innovation i think and um you know creating always looking where opportunity right i have a formula or an equation let me be let me be specific here which says that volatility plus recovery equals opportunity and that's uh, i think that's exactly what um you highlighted here now let me ask you this too, because um, you actually have a podcast of your very own, and yes. um, you just started this thing. So I wanted to ask you about this because I also know how hard it is to start and run a podcast, and to not only start and run the thing, but to keep it going. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yes, we we so we started a podcast. Uh, I think uh, roughly a couple of months ago. So what we felt is that, you know, in the event tech space in Southeast Asia, the market is extremely fragmented, right? So you don't have like one leading company, that a ticketing company that dominates the region, right? Every single market would have like local ticketing companies, some maybe global players entering the space like Ticketmaster has opened the Singapore office and in, uh, in, in Taiwan. But there's still, uh, you know, the landscape is very fragmented. And we believe that there was, um, miss, uh, um, how to say, there was not enough information out there mm-hmm. for, uh, uh, you know, about all this, uh, you know, technology companies and their leaders that went through really rough times during during the pandemic, right? So, um, you know, some of the CEOs of the ticketing companies had to make very tough decisions and laying off people and adapting and, and you know, in developing new products, going online, doing streaming and all that. So we felt that there was, um, you know, uh, uh, we felt it was right to give them a bit of, uh, uh, you know, visibility and put uh, uh, faces to names and uh, and show what is what is happening in Southeast Asia. How this we call them heroes because they, you know, how these leaders uh, try to adapt. So we launched this podcast called Leaderverse. Uh, where I, I personally interview the CEOs of the largest ticketing companies across Asia. So from we've done it already from Thailand. We had the um, deputy managing director of Thai Ticket Major. We I've interviewed the CEO of Book My Show Asia, uh, which is another ticketing large ticketing company. So we have some interesting talks uh, with all these leaders and giving them airtime and actually asking them interesting questions of how they went through the pandemic, what is next, and what's what's going to be the next big thing for Southeast Asia. Yeah. Well, then I'll be turning around on you then. What is next in Southeast Asia? So you give me, so you give me your own questions now. See, that's yeah, cool. well, <laughs> that's um, well, what, what we believe is that obviously there will be some sort of a consolidation happening. Right. So the market has been too fragmented. Obviously, a lot of smaller players have suffered. Um, so I think, uh, you know, there will be eventually uh, and uh, consolidation across the market. So the bigger players will maybe acquire the smaller players 
uh, there will be mergers happening. So I think it's a lot of M&A activity probably in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. Uh, we will see some bigger players entering uh, uh, more in Southeast Asia. So it's event team, a uh, German company, ticketing company will be entering Southeast Asia. Uh, so I think the market will be extremely dynamic. Uh, a lot of, um, uh, how to say, um, M&A, a lot of innovation as well. So a lot of ticketing companies say, okay, how can I innovate and work with the e-commerce players where now many tickets are sold? So a lot of uh, ticketing companies started to provide the backbone for the e-commerce players to be able to sell tickets and transact. Uh, that's an, another big innovation, I think, which is happening mainly in Southeast Asia. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it will be very, very exciting 12 to 24 months with the whole reopening and, and going back to normal, new normal, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what normal was to begin with, so I'm going to say there's just no normal, but that's me. Um, <laughs> Everybody can, you know, use your uh, your mileage may vary. Um, yeah. So, Ilya, where do I point people to find you besides your pod, you know, your podcast, your website? Where where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we have pouchnation.com, uh, where uh, you know you can find our blog. Uh, there's a blog section. We have a lot of interesting articles that we publish every week. Uh, we have our podcast uh, there as well. Uh, our podcast is also uh, streamed on Spotify. Uh, it's streamed on uh, um, um, other 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 platforms and YouTube. Uh, so if you are even don't want just you know to listen but see on all, all the faces that are here, so you can also watch it on YouTube. Uh, so it's called Leaderverse. Uh, so really encourage everybody to um, you know to tune in and listen and hope they can get some interesting insights. Yeah, no, this is like really awesome. Well, I appreciate you um, taking the time to speak to me today. So this is great. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. It was it was great to kind of give a little bit of visibility to your audience of what is happening in this part of the world. You know, my my audience they give me a, a lot of freedom to talk to people all over the place. They kind of would they would be disappointed if I didn't have somebody uh, from far abroad. So so you know, this was great. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Let me know what you thought of my conversation with Ilya. You can send me an email. It is my name, Dave at DaveWakeman.com. Check out my website, DaveWakeman.com. All kinds of crazy stuff. As I've mentioned, I'm putting together a cohort class on pricing with a company called Maven, and I need to register uh, and find out how much potential interest there is in something like this. So there, are, so there is a link in the show notes to a four-question uh, sir, it's, I'll call it a survey, but it's just four questions, really name, email address, and like what you hope to learn from the thing. Uh, but I need that to help is to take the next step in the course building program. Um, make sure you check out the Talking Tickets newsletter. It's talkingtickets.substack.com. It is my weekly ticket newsletter. It focuses on analysis, strategies for recovery, uh, tools and tech and profiles, how-tos, blurbs, links, case studies, all kinds of crazy stuff from all over the world. Uh, people love it. Uh, it's one of the most popular things I do. So talkingtickets.substack.com. I will be at Intix with my buddies from Booking Protect. Come check us out. I will be hanging out with Kat, Kath, and Haley at a minimum. Still trying to talk Simon into coming. Uh, we will be there. Um, potentially some really cool stuff. Maybe I'll do a podcast episode from the booth or something. Who knows? Um, but check it out. Visit them at bookingprotect.com. Come see us at the booth. Kat has warned me that there is some even new data that she has that will highlight even more 
the importance of refund protection as organizations have started to open up. Uh, lockdowns have lessened and people are trying to get back to enjoying arts and entertainment and sports. So you won't want to you won't want to miss that. You want to check us out at Intix. Uh, as always, I want to thank you for being here. Numbers are still strong on the podcast. Uh, people still send me emails. They go, oh, my God, that was like such a great conversation. I, I'm so grateful for everybody listening and paying attention. Um, and I know it's still a hard time for people. So if you're struggling or you want somebody to talk to, don't hesitate to send me a note, daviddavewakeman.com. You know, let me know how you're doing. Let me know if you need to chat. I'm here for you. Okay. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon. And hey, we're in the middle of December now. So happy holidays to everybody. All right. Take it easy.